Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspired Belief Cast. I am excited for today. We've actually got a really kind of a different format, uh, the, something I've never done before. And it's really, I'm going to look at this as a special edition. We have a, uh, a young girl who's going to come share her pretty incredible story of her struggles with uh, some things that she'll talk about here in a minute. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna just use her first name. Her name's Brooklyn. So welcome. Hi. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And her parents are both here, and uh, they've given consent to allow her daughter to share this story because um, not only is it gonna help Brooklyn as she shares her story, um, it's gonna help all those that are have a daughter or even a son or a cousin or a niece or a nephew or whatever it is struggling with this same issue. And it's something that's never talked about, at least on the female side of things, and and it's with pornography. And it's getting a little more prevalent. You know, men are, you know, being a little more open with it at times, and, and younger boys are now talking about it a little bit more. It's still kind of got a stigma to it, but I'm really proud of Brooklyn that she would sit here today and share her struggles with pornography and what she's gone through. And you guys are going to be blown away just how well-spoken she is, and how brave she is to do this. Um, I want to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me and helping uh, get this message out. And then also the listeners, once again, you guys are the best. I love you guys. And, uh, you know, we I, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the listeners. So thank you so much for doing, um, for believing in me and, and and pushing this forward. You guys are going to be love this story. So Brooklyn, thank you so much for being here and taking the time out of your day to, to spend some time with us. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners uh, just a little bit about yourself, a little background, like how old you are, what grade you're in and, you know, you know, a little bit about your family life and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm 17 years old, just turned 17 and I really like to read, be outside, ride my horse. Um, You have a horse? Yeah. Wow. Cool. What's the horse's name? His name is Scooby. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Right on. That's cool. Um, and I just like to hang out with my family and do anything art, like art. Art related. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, what what grade are you in? I'm in twelfth. You're, so you're a senior. Uh-huh. Okay. So you're a senior. Um, are you the oldest of all the siblings? No, I have an older brother. So okay. And then like two younger. Okay. Right on. Well, you know I. I'm really impressed. So for the listeners to understand this, um, uh, Brooklyn had written me a letter about her story um, a, a month or so ago. And it was handwritten. And it was like four or five pages long. And just sharing her struggles with uh, with pornography and just what she went through and how she struggled with it. And I was just so blown away how vulnerable you were in that letter to me. So I, I want to I set the stage for our listeners that... Th- when I read that, I'm like, man, I, I definitely want to have her on to share her story. So again, thank you for uh, being willing to come share. So I know you've been really working hard on what to share. And I know you've been praying about it and just you want to make an impact. And I know it's going to happen. So why don't you kind of just start up and give our listeners a little background on, you know, you know when the struggle started and, and kind of go from there. And then uh, and uh, from time to time too, also have her mom's mic'd up. And we'll ask her her perspective as well, which I think will be a really good added um, bonus to this today. So again, everyone, thanks for joining this special edition today. Yeah, 
so I was nine years old when I actually started like looking at the pornography, but I think it was last year um, we talked about it, me and my mom, and mm-hmm. we figured out that it was actually when I was eight that the addiction started. Okay. Because I always liked watching the Twilight movies, and my okay. mom and I would read the Twilight book at night as like part of my bedtime routine. Okay. And I started like watching the Twilight movies like over and over again, and I just that's like all I wanted to watch, and we didn't really think anything of it. Um, right. And same with the books, didn't think anything of it, but we didn't know that as I was watching it and listening to the books that it was arousing these feelings inside of me and kind of like curiosity. And so eventually, because I was spending so much time watching these movies instead of hanging out with like family, my grandma, because I would watch it at her house all the time. Right. And so my grandma told me like I couldn't do that anymore. And I needed to be with the family and my mom stopped reading the books. And um, so your grandma was noticing something, maybe just maybe it was intuition like, hey, this something's off here. So maybe we should stop doing that. And yeah. OK. Yeah. And same with my mom. She stopped reading the books. Um, and then when I was nine, we were driving to Costco and we mm-hmm. were we parked and we were getting ready to go and shop. But my mom told me to wait and that she needed to talk to me about something. And that's when we had the sex talk. Okay. And the whole time, like, it would really just gross me out. <laughs> and I wanted her to yeah. stop talking about it. No kid it. really likes that talk, right? Yeah. It was, <laughs> but, it was kind of gross. And <laughs> Right. Um. So when we got out, like, she asked if I had any questions or anything, and I said no. And we got out. We went shopping. The rest of the day was fine. And then I was doing school a couple days later, and I our computers and all of our electronics are completely locked down right um for safety reasons and so usually for science they have like science videos and i have to click a link and it would take me to youtube and i'd watch it but it would be blocked so my mom or dad would have to come and do the password and so that day they had me watch a video and i clicked the link but instead of it being blocked it wasn't blocked and i went straight to youtube and my first thought was oh, I can just watch the video, my science video, and then go back to school. But then I had a little thought yeah. in the back of my head, like, wait, but remember that talk you had with your mom? And, like, don't you kind of want to see what that was like and what she was talking about? Right. So I then I thought, well, I'll just watch once and see and then do my science video and get off. And so I typed it in and I watched it and then, like, one turned after one and then another one and right. another one and, and, you're, I, and you're how old at this time again nine? i was nine nine okay mm-hmm. and then um after after i was watching them i remember just like after during school i wouldn't even do my projects half the time i would just go on to youtube and watch more and more videos and i figured out that because our computer was facing the stairs so if they came up they could see the screen right and i figured out if i turn the screen i can hide it much better so when they come up I can hurry and turn it off and turn the screen back around so that's how I got away with watching it and that lasted for a year before I got caught the first so you're doing that for a whole year so and it's it's interesting and when when you say what you just said I think when someone is involved in something that's pornographic on the computer I mean you almost set it all up like okay I can turn it but if they do if I do hear them 
I'm going to turn it back. It's almost like you're planning this all out yeah. to, to support your curiosity to continue to look at those things, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I think that's pretty common, you know, when whenever we're doing behaviors that, you know, aren't good or unhealthy, that we will we'll set up these things to kind of safeguard us so no one knows about it kind of thing. Yeah, and I remember thinking, like, I shouldn't be watching this. This is bad. But I also felt like, but I want to see it. Like, I need yeah. more of it. Um, and yeah. so that's what was going through my head every time I watched it. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting. You you know, you have those feelings. I probably shouldn't be looking at this. This is prob- This is wrong. But it's almost like the shock and the uh, of seeing it because it's almost like when you see a car accident, it's like you don't want to watch, but you watch. Yeah. And you know, like, oh, that's going to make me not feel good, but you still end up doing that. And I think pornography is the same way with young kids where when they first look at it, it's like this shock almost. And the brain doesn't forget that shock. Like, whoa, right? Yeah. And then what you do, you want to see it again and again. And so, so this goes on for a year, you said, mm-hmm. before you got caught. How did you get caught? So the way it happened was my brother was upstairs doing school and I didn't like think anything of it because he did it all the time and I was able to keep it hidden. And I was down reading a book and he came downstairs a short while after towards like the afternoon and he came down and like didn't make eye contact at all and kind of like hurried down to the basement. And again, I didn't really think anything of it. And then he came back a little bit later and told me that my mom needed to see me downstairs and still like didn't even occur to me that he had found out and Mm. so I went downstairs and my mom was sitting down at her desk and she told me to sit down and then she asked me if there's anything I needed to tell her before she talked to me and I said no nothing and then that's when she told me that my brother had been doing school and he somehow found out that YouTube was unblocked and like at the bottom of YouTube, it shows videos that you might be interested in because of what you'd already watched. Oh, yeah. And so he saw those and figured out pretty quick what I'd been watching. And so he went down to tell my mom. And at that point, like I had started crying because I knew I had been caught. I knew that it was wrong. Yeah. I knew I wanted to like fix it. That's when she also told me that I told her it's been going on for about a year. And she told me that it was an addiction, that I had an addiction to pornography. And one thing that really helped me open up with her was that she didn't overreact and she didn't, she wasn't mad. She actually stayed really calm and was just talking to me. And I think that's what really helped, helped me open up to her. Yeah, I want to point that out. That's actually really powerful. And mom, if you want to chime in here on your perspective in that moment, because I think, I think the way you handle it, listening to her, look, like, look at the effect it had on the way you handled it and because had you maybe reacted differently, you probably would have been like, I'm not going to share anything with my mom kind of thing. Is, is that, I mean, why were you so calm, do you think, in that moment? Uh, well, a couple reasons. Um, one, I've been through similar addiction problems, and so I, I knew what to do and what not to do, mm-hmm. how to react. Yeah. And I knew if I were to scold her or yell at her or tell her how disappointed I was, any of those things that it would just make it worse. I just, I knew that because yeah. of my, my past. Sure. And so I just knew that most important thing was to stay calm and make sure she knew immediately that, that I loved her and that we were going to help her get through it. But I, I just think too, that the spirit just whispered so quickly, 
she just tell her you love her let her know you love her but this is a problem and now we got to address it yeah well thank you and I, i and i wanted i wanted to hear your side of it because i think that's so important with uh parents listening to this even right now if you're if your kid comes up to you or if you catch them doing some really unhealthy behavior that's scary with whether it's pornography or drugs or whatever I think the way we react goes a long way yeah. and just to hear it from you Brooklyn like it, man it made a, a huge difference for you yeah you know yeah so um so I opened up about that and told her like what I'd been watching and how exactly I found out and so she went up and checked the locks reblocked it and checked all of the other electronics we had and made sure they were all still blocked and they were and then I'm we're a member of the of our church Mm -hmm. and Church of Jesus Christ and so she didn't think we had to go to the bishop this time because it was just like a it wasn't bad yet it was so bad but not to like where we needed to go and tell the bishop yet Mm -hmm. and so from that time on like both of my parents they would check on me and ask me if I'd seen anything or like if I'd done anything and I would say no because I hadn't but what I didn't tell her was that I wasn't watching it but I was thinking it and I could see it in my mind all the time yeah and the visual part really played a huge part in all that yeah and and I think that's pretty I mean that's common as someone who's looked at it when you don't look at it they're still kind of those images are still going through your mind yeah 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 so they kept like replaying like I was dreaming um Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about them, I noticed how like when I went to sleep, I would kind of try and dream about it because I knew I couldn't watch it, but if right. I could see it still, yeah, then it was still working. Um, and then so you were making a conscious effort in your own mind to actually pull those yeah. images up. Gotcha. Yeah. And again, very common of someone who struggles with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then the second time I relapsed was with my iPod. Um, I got caught that day, but what happened was I wanted a new game on my iPod, but early on I figured out that if my mom put in her password to get the game, I could get another game without the password. And so I got the game and I took it upstairs and they didn't know that that that's how it worked. And I took it upstairs and was about to exit out of the app store, but the thought came to me, you could get a game instead. If you can't watch it, you can play it. And so I typed it in, found the game, got it without the password. And I don't even think I, I don't remember. I even, I don't think I played it that day at all. Right. But again, the way I got caught was my brother, it somehow connected onto his iPod and he found it on his and took it to my mom. And yeah, like, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> what's this new game on here all of a sudden? Or yeah. yeah. And um, so he took it to her and again, she had to, talk to me about it she stayed calm but this time she did there were consequences because they knew they couldn't baby it they couldn't let it go and so i just lost all privileges with electronics and stuff and um she locked me out of my ipod for a while and and how old are you at this point i was probably either 11 or almost 11 okay yeah so still really young and Mm -hmm. still you know battling through this yeah yeah um and so with that one, that one was really short, but it still re-triggered my feelings. And like, I just kept thinking after she took it away, how bad I wanted to play that game or how bad I wanted to watch the videos. Yeah. And they would ask me again if I, like how I was doing, I'd say good, but I still hadn't told them about that I was 
thinking about it or dreaming about it. Um, and then the other time was I did dance for a while before I quit and mm -hmm. I did a solo for like my first time and I don't even remember why, but we had to use a laptop to get the music on or something like that because our stereo wasn't working. And so we had to, and like, like I said before, everything was blocked. Um, but that time I was alone and I was yeah. doing it and I just thought, well, why don't you see, why don't you try and see if it's unblocked? And of course it was unblocked that time. Mm. And so like, I didn't watch videos that time, but I did go onto Google and look, just look at pictures. Okay. And that's all that I needed that day to get like that fix yeah. and get what I wanted. Um, and then I closed it out and I went upstairs like nothing happened. How did you feel after that though? You know, like you, you got your fix as you would say, you know, that's what you wanted. So you went and got it afterwards. Did you feel, I mean, how did you feel internally after that? Did you feel any negative emotion after that? I remember like when I did it, how I felt kind of excited, but it also made me like sick because it made me excited because I still knew that it was bad, but I wanted it. And so after I got that and I went up and I remember it lasted for a little bit that like yeah. that feeling and then yeah. it went away and I felt really bad because yeah. I knew it was bad. Um, and when I got caught that time though, that's when I started kind of going downhill I'd say because when I got caught usually I like felt bad and I know it was wrong but this time I felt annoyed that I got caught yeah and like I didn't really care what they were saying um or what like the consequence was and so that time I definitely had a different reaction to getting caught and I started getting defensive mm. and not as open as before yeah because I just felt really irritated. Yeah. And that's a good point, uh, Brooklyn, that you point out that, you know, when we get defensive, it's, 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 you know, we could also call that like we get kind of angry about it. Anger is always a secondary emotion. And I want our listeners to understand this, that um, there's two uh, emotions that come before anger and it's fear or hurt. And I think when, when you were getting defensive, and I think this is for all of us, when we get defensive is because underneath that is we're, we're hurt or we're scared or both. And you're probably on some level hurt just towards yourself. Like, man, why do I keep doing this? Why am I stuck in this pattern again? Or why am I always getting, doing this to the point where I'm getting caught and getting in trouble? And, but I think there, I want to point that out to the listeners that a lot of times when we're defensive, it's because we're hurting. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that went on. We talked to the bishop that time because mm -hmm. this has happened several times. So we went to the bishop. My mom and dad told him what was going on. And he kind of talked to me about how severe this is. But he also stayed calm. Yeah. And that helped me open up with him too because I was yeah. really nervous about talking to someone. Well, I'm going to point out something real quick um, about you went to go see a bishop. And uh, there's a lot of listeners that uh, you know aren't you know religious or they don't go to church or what have you. I just want to point out really ultimately what you're looking for is some spiritual strength yeah. to help you through this because, you know, like in, like for instance, in Alcoholic Anonymous, they always say, you know, let's turn it over to a higher power because I can't do this on my own. And I just want to point that out because some people might not understand 
you know what you mean by why'd you go to the bishop but it was more to find that strength from 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 the god you worship right mm-hmm. it's like hey i'm i'm really into this to win it kind of thing was it hard for you to go though that first time to go to talk and sit down with him yeah i was nervous because he wasn't my family and i had only opened up to my family yeah so but when he stayed calm like they did when they first found out that helped me relax a little yeah. bit and talk to him probably didn't feel judged or anything yeah or, yeah yeah which which makes a big difference mm-hmm. yeah yeah so several like after that we talked about it um and after that couple months went by and I was doing better the thoughts weren't coming as much but I still hadn't told him about it and I wasn't trying as hard to like see him on purpose and I thought I was doing better yeah and then it happened again where I was doing school and the computer was unlocked again like it had been locked the day before and then it was unlocked that day and it was it always was when I was having a weak moment or thinking oh I kind of want to watch this again and that's when I would check it and it would be unlocked. Yeah. Um, so I got on and I looked at it and that one lasted a little longer. And um, I remember too when I looked at it, I felt excited again and mm-hmm. not so sorry that I was doing it. And I just kind of went back into where I was before. Yeah. And then, so you were you still at this point hiding it from your parents? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And And how old are you at this point? Um, I was a 11. Still sure. around 11. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, well, can I chime in? Please. So her version of that, our version is, we could tell there was something going on. I would come to travel all the time and be like, something's off again. Something's off, yeah. Like her light, you know, that glow was <clears throat> missing or there was an attitude. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of little signs, like we tell when things were going down but we would check things and they'd be like everything was locked or you know so but we could there was always little indications with her attitude or her wanting to not be around the family you know stuff like that that there were little signs and we could just kind of feel there was something off right but yeah okay Mm -hmm. um yeah like, I thought I was hiding it, but even I could tell, like, yeah. I didn't want to be around my family at all. Well, especially parents and, and especially probably moms, they're so intuitive with their own children. They know when something's off, like something's off. Like, even with my own kids, I can tell, like, even if like, no, everything's great, I'm fine. Yes, I, I don't think it is because, and I think that's what your mom's saying here. Mm-hmm. She picked up on that. But you're thinking, oh, I'm getting away with it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and... So when we talked to the bishop again that time, he actually gave us a program called Addiction Recovery Program. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool because it would have like the steps to recovery, but they would like break them down. And then there were like things for me to fill out, challenges for me to try. And we would do that every night, me, my mom and my dad. And it really, it helped. But the problem with that still was that we didn't have a support group which is what I really needed. Like people were telling my mom that to put me in a rehab or get counseling and that's not what I needed. I yeah. needed a support group and we didn't have that. Yeah. Well, and again, it's a tough situation because here you are, you're 12, right? 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. You're doing this program and you're a female struggling with pornography. 
I, I mean, at that time, I didn't even know where you would turn for a support group. I mean, how many people would even admit uh, that they have that issue, especially on the female side again? Because like I said, it's just barely coming out where females will even talk about these kind of things. And so again, what, what you're doing today is, that's why today's so amazing, is that hopefully this paves the way to open, opening this up to help those that maybe feel like there is no help, yeah. you know? So anyway, you had no support group at that time, at least. So kind of take it from there. Yeah, so that it was a good book, and it helped a lot. Um, and at that point, too, um, my mom had been trying to find any support group or anything yeah. out there because, like, today there's nothing out there for teenage girls with a pornography addiction. And so she couldn't find anything, so the book was the best we had at the time. Right. Um, and so, you know, time went on and I started feeling better and happier and more light yeah. and less of a need to turn to pornography. Um, and I noticed too, like I was spending more time with my family and that really helped. And I liked being around them. Right. And I liked, cause when I was wa- looking at pornography, the stuff that I loved wasn't, I didn't love it anymore. Like I had no desire to do any of it. And so reading, writing, anything, like I didn't want to do it at all. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that I was doing that more and doing everything I love more. And so that was just a good, peaceful feeling that I had. Um, and then, like, but then I started going down again, having weak moments. And I relapsed so many times that year by breaking into my phone, my iPod, watching right. movies. I would start going through books books was a big thing really okay i would flip through books and find like, like any kissing like, like images and stuff uh-huh okay I, yeah any like heated scenes i would read them over and over and over again and i would mark the pages so i knew where they were really okay. and i would do that music anything so that way i could do it it's just it's not just like videos you books and so at this time you're really struggling yeah. i mean you're really like caught in this web you know just can't probably see a way out of it yeah you know that had to have been really difficult Mm -hmm. at that time right yeah did you ever did you ever feel like and again want to know your perspective obviously like did you feel were you depressed did you feel alone did you feel hopeless I mean what what was those talk a little bit about that at that time I was definitely feeling alone and I was angry at everybody mostly at myself but I also was angry at God and I stopped praying and I stopped reading scriptures and I kind of cut them out and I didn't want anything to do with them. But then like I would always say he left me and Mm. like that he wasn't there, but I was definitely angry all the time at everyone for even like the smallest things I would snap. Yeah. So it definitely affected how I acted. Sure. And again, that anger is really masking the hurt. Yeah. You're just hurt. All the way around, even hurt that somehow God's not helping you. Like, where, where'd you go? I need your help right now. I'm this young kid who's struggling, you know? Yeah. Mom, what, what would you like to say on that? Well, just <clears throat> with what she just said, like she talked about movies and books and stuff. Uh, just to clarify how bad she needed it, we don't have bad movies and bad books. But right. we have, but my point is, is that so we had, uh, was it Age of Adeline? It was Age of Adeline, yeah. right? So one of the movies that w- went missing 
was this movie called Age of Adeline. Mm-hmm. And there's like kind of a passionate scene. It's not too in-depth, but it's passionate. Yeah. And we don't usually let our kids, you know, watch that whenever they want. Right. Um, but she she snuck it and hid it so that she could rewatch that scene. Over and over Or yeah. books like... It- Twilight. It was so bad that I was getting up in the middle of the night just to watch the movie. So, because I knew they wouldn't come find me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, like, and the um, steamy scenes in the books that she's talking about was like Twilight. I mean, Twilight has some hot scenes, but it's not graphic. But because it's a kissing scene, that was enough. And she marked it and would read just a kissing scene over and over again. She needed it so bad. Wow. So it was that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, yeah, and like you just said, you'd get up in the middle of the night yeah. knowing that this would be a best way to do it without getting caught. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Still 12 years old at this time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then when I was moving on from 12, when I was like 13, I wasn't 14 yet. Um, I think I was almost. But 13, I had Instagram and Facebook on my phone. Mm-hmm. And at the before now like i didn't realize you could look at look up stuff on instagram and facebook and then like with everything we just talked about i thought well i might as well try yeah and there was a lot there was videos there were people that only posted that and so that's what i would watch is on facebook and instagram yeah they don't like there's no filters or anything right there's no like hey you know this is only for 18 and older or something like yeah. that. There was never a warning or it's like, and so now you found this new avenue to mm-hmm. continue doing what you were doing. Yeah. So that's how I would watch the videos for a while is on Instagram and Facebook because I figured out another way to cover it up. Like I had planned it out and with Instagram, you could just push clear searches and there was no evidence of what right. I've been watching. And with yeah. Facebook, they didn't have that, but I figured out that a way to get rid of it. And so that ha- that was for a while. And my yeah. parents found that by, I can't remember how, I think she might have been on my phone and I that day forgotten to clear the search oh. and she had found it on my Instagram. And so with that, that's when they took off um, any social media on my phone and still to this day, I don't have it and I don't want it. Because I know that, like, I'm just putting myself in. Yeah, you don't want to even put yourself in danger. Yeah. You know, and and really, did you hear that, kids? She's not on Instagram, which is <laughs> probably a really good thing. <laughs> or I mean, just, or Facebook or whatever. But uh, but that's a sacrifice <coughs> because most kids your age, well, that's what they want to do. That's all yeah. about that, right? So, and we'll get to that here in a minute. So, you, you she finds that out. And, again, you're still obviously still struggling and yeah you know um trying to think yeah so at this point I was already doing stuff and then by the time I was 14 that's when I started the like really bad stuff and that's when so I was cleaning so my mom owned a uh, preschool and I started cleaning the preschool on weekends, so that way I could earn some money. Earn some money, yeah. And I was cleaning them, and there's a computer, but I didn't try doing it because I knew those ones were like heavily blocked out. And 
so I didn't even bother with those ones. And one day I was dusting, and there was a shelf above the computer, and so I had to like duck behind the computer to clean the top of that shelf. Right. And just as I did that, a sticky note in the corner of the shelf oh, caught wow. my eye, and I took it off and looked at it and there was just numbers and I knew exactly what I was looking at and it was the password Pass to get school, into wow. the computer and I remember like holding the sticky note and looking back between the sticky note and the computer thinking do I do it or do I put it back and pretend I never saw it do I tell my mom and like I was already into so many things that when I thought tell my mom I was like no and so I typed right. in the password and did it and I looked up videos, just kind of like what I'd usually been watching, and I noticed that I didn't feel like it didn't give me the fix that I needed or the mm, feeling that I wanted. Right. Uh -huh. And I realized it's because this stuff bores me now. And really? Wow. So I went into more darker things, and then I found websites that I could go to that were really dark, really bad, but it gave me... a it gave me that feeling and it was even power more powerful before the last one yeah and so that's what i started watching and i just got into more and more darker stuff to get well it. and thank you for pointing that out brooklyn because i think what you just described is really what addiction is you know you you know anyone who's been addicted to drugs or alcohol this is no different because again you build up a tolerance to it and pretty soon you know 12 beers doesn't get me buzzed anymore. So what am I going to do now? I'm going to go to vodka or, and then pretty soon that's not enough. And then I'm going to snort some Coke at the same time. And so here's what you're kind of going through that same kind of progression with this pornography, right? It's just, this isn't enough. Now let's do something even more dark. So thank you, uh, Brooklyn for pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that all happened and the feeling that I got was a super dark feeling but I liked it, yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah, that's Am okay. I, yeah, that's... Yeah, and to me, I liked it. Yeah. And I just kept wanting it. And at that point, I had totally cut out God and didn't even bother trying to pray at all. Right. Um, and so eventually, even watching those videos wasn't enough. And so I started looking for more ways to get it. Yeah. And people today will say that I have like a talent at writing and that I need to write stories and stuff. And then I, yeah. it's funny to me because they don't know <laughs> that the reason I love writing is because I wrote stories about pornography. Oh, wow. And that's what got me into writing. Really? Yeah. And so, so it was your way to kind of, you know, build up this thing in your own mind as you wrote about it. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that's how I got into it. And now I love it, and I don't write about that anymore. But Well, even the letter you wrote me just about your story, I was just blown away on how well it was written. I was like, dang, how old is this girl? You yeah. know, it was, it, you know, so you obviously are really good at it, but obviously now you're using it for good. But, yeah. you know, back then that's what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. I would write about it. I would draw pictures. Uh -huh. I had done that a while ago, probably when I was 12. And yeah. it got caught that day. It was at someone else's house for school. Yeah. And their dog found it because I ripped it out and threw it in the garbage. And their dog found it. Oh, and wow. That's how they figured that out. Really? And I hadn't. <laughs> the dog. Yeah. I hadn't tried <laughs> it <all> since. <laughs> yeah. And then I started doing it again. Oh, okay. And I would, after I would draw or even write, I would always rip them 
rip them out of the notebook and like tear them to pieces and throw them in the garbage. Again, trying to protect yeah. from getting caught again. Yeah, I would just do it so I got that feeling that I wanted and then yeah. I would get rid of it. Isn't it amazing the lengths you would go to to try to not get caught? Yeah. Right? You know, and again, that really kind of describes what addiction is. We'll do all these unhealthy things and we'll try to cover our tracks the best that we can. But again, you know, mom and dad probably noticing, man, something's off with her. Yeah. Even if you didn't get caught, they knew something was wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um. So all that was happening and that was going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't get caught with all that until I was 15. And the stuff I've been watching was really dark. Yeah. And I could tell with myself there was a huge change in my personality again. And um, I remember thinking it scared me also, but right. like I wanted it still. And I found myself, again, not just wanting to watch it, but I needed to watch it. I needed it. Yeah, like just to kind of get through things. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. so whenever I was mad, I would I needed to watch it. When I was sad, I needed to watch it. Happy, I needed yeah. to watch it. Just like all of my, it took over took over yeah and and now you're 14 and 15 uh, mm-hmm. this time yeah okay wow i mean that had to have felt pretty hopeless at that point yeah where it's almost like you needed it just to feel somewhat normal today or you know it was a release if you were angry or frustrated kind of thing right yeah and so with the pictures and the writing, I would also do the books in the movie, wake up in the middle of the night. Still doing that. I figured out eventually, too, because my mom didn't go to bed till 12. So I figured if I get up at one she she'll be asleep. And so I had that all figured out. And I mean, you planned it. it all out. I mean, yeah, again, the lengths you went to to just make sure you could get whatever you wanted. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so the way that ended was my aunt was um, at the school and she found the password for some reason, again, like I would go through all these links to cover it up, but I didn't throw away the sticky note that was there. I left it there. Uh, okay. And she found it and knew I had been cleaning the school and on the weekends. And so she logged in and found the websites I had been going to. Oh, really? Everything. Okay. And so she told my mom and they both confronted me about it. And, um, but at that point, like I was already in so deep that I didn't care what they were saying and you're like whatever i like i was yeah. mad at my aunt for even getting in the way like i thought i was thinking about how to say it yesterday and i really hated her for wow. getting in the way yeah. of me being able to watch pornography yeah and um so like they were trying to talk to me and i didn't care it was going in one ear out the other and <coughs> we went back to the bishop and i had lost my temple recommend but same thing like i didn't care yeah um and he was trying to talk to me and I would just nod my head and be like, yeah, but still didn't change anything. And then that night was when I really, when it really hit me, um, I knelt down to like, I prayed, but I didn't, it wasn't like a repent pray. It was, I was yelling at him. Like I, I was like saying, why, you know, why is this happening? Why have you yeah. not helped me or something? Is it like that? Yeah. I, remember like yelling at him blaming him for everything and just saying like you left me stuff like that and i remember going to bed crying feeling worse than i did yeah and going to bed crying and that night i didn't dream with at all which was unusual because my dreams were really dark also yeah and so i didn't dream and about i don't even know what time it would have been but it was just black and yeah. then it switched to white 
Right. And there was wow. a lady walking towards me. She was tall with dark or black short hair and like kind of like icy blue eyes and freckles. And she was dressed in white and she came up to me and she gave me a hug and really? said that he was up there cheering me on that he didn't like that he didn't leave me and he's just waiting for me to let him back in really and that he knew i could get through it and she hugged me for a little bit and then it ended and it, i went back to black and i just kept sleeping and really? then when i woke up that morning i sat up realizing he didn't leave me i left him and that wow. i needed to leave him back let him back in yeah and that i couldn't get through it without him and i was still mad but mm-hmm. I was starting to, I'd say, like, cool down. <laughs> yeah. And wow, what an amazing experience, right? Yeah. And so even even with that, like, I started praying a little bit more, but not as much. I read my scriptures a couple times, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, like, deep reading. It was just to, like, read. Just, like, to check the box off. Yeah. Right? Okay, I did that yeah. kind of thing. We weren't feeling it so much yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so... That all happened, and my mom, she had also, before that happened, she had found out about the books. Um, she had found, it was Twilight, the book that was missing. She realized it was missing and found it in my room. Oh, okay. And so, like, all that stuff had been already, like, uncovered. They found it all, and we talked about it. Um, and then I remember that morning, too, like, I just felt, I was still mad, but not as mad. Yeah. At her, at my aunt, at everyone. Um, and then my mom, again, was trying to find help and there was no help. So she, she started talking to my uncle about it, about their, he worked at a rehab for adults. Okay. And she was telling him how, like, there's no help for teenage girls out there. And so when they realized that there really wasn't any support groups, they came up with like a plan for a teenager to come and get help at the rehab. Okay. And so when they told me I was going to meet with him and his his partner, like I wasn't happy. <laughs> I right. didn't want to go. <laughs> yeah. And so they um it was me, my mom, and my dad and we went and we met with him and kind of same thing as the bishop, like I wasn't really listening and they started <laughs> talking to me about the addiction and asking me questions about it and I told them everything that had happened up to that point and then they just kept talking at one point they had my parents leave the room and Mm -hmm. they really talked to me like just serious and told me how like how severe this was and that we needed to fight it yeah and then they had them come back in and they gave me a challenge um he held up his partner held up a mirror in front of my face and he told me to look at myself in the eye. And so I did. And I was surprised at how fast my eyes dropped to the ground because I couldn't look at myself. Sure. Um, and he said, look at, look at your eyes, hold your, hold your eyes. And like I dropped again. And so they set a timer for two minutes and they said I had to do that right then and there. And I had to say three words. I love you. And like, I, couldn't do it i didn't want to do it right and they had to keep reminding me to lift my eyes back up say it and so then they said after we left i had to do that every day until we met again for two minutes in the mirror yeah 
I think anyone listening to this right now would be like, yeah, that would be really awkward. Even if you're doing well, it's kind of awkward to look yourself in the mirror and go, I love you, you know, (laughs) but, uh, and, and I love that you point this out because it's one of the things I teach my clients is to, we got to be able to look in the mirror and talk to ourselves. I call it the accountability mirror. And it's like, you look into that and say, you tell yourself those things that, you know, that are going to be empowering. So I'm so glad you pointed that out as well. And I would assume it got a little easier as you kept doing it. Yeah. By the time we met again, I could do it with like a smile on my face (laughs) and I could say it pretty quick. Um, But before we left that day too, he had me, they had me sit down with a girl that they had just recently got into the rehab who had an addiction to pornography. Mm. And so she shared her story with me and I shared it, shared mine with her. Oh, right on. And so she gave me like advice and told me everything she'd done to get this far. That probably had to feel good knowing that I'm not the only one that's been going through this, right? Right. Like that day I realized I wasn't. Well, again, I want to point this out. We talk a lot about this addiction is the opposite of connection. Mm-hmm. So now here you are connecting with someone who's been through what you've been through and that is powerful. You know, yes you had your mom and dad, but yeah, mom. Which is what we've been fighting for since we found out when she was nine. Right. And you can't get it. Yeah. You know, it's hard everyone to find kept saying send her to rehab, send her to rehab. I've been to a child rehab. That's not where she needed to be. Right. She needed support. She needed an AA. We tried to get into the church AA, the regular, I mean, nothing, nothing. Nothing, right. So when she got to sit down with this woman, it was like, we're finally finally getting somewhere. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. And that brings hope. That brings, that loneliness feeling goes away when you connect on that level. So what, what a blessing that was. Yeah. Right? I really liked it. Yeah. It meant a lot. I bet. Yeah. I mean, it tears me up just to even think about that, how powerful that had to have been for you. It was the first years time. Years and years. First time we'd seen hope in her eyes. Yeah. Like the first time in <clears throat> years that there was actually light yeah. in her eyes that yeah. she will, maybe she'll be okay. Yeah. And I just, I can't stress enough to whoever's listening to this, how important it is that we connect with other people. And again, I know you guys were fighting for that and trying to figure that out. So to hear this, just it's it's really in, like hitting me in my heart right now that uh, you eventually got that experience. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So we met several times. The second time we yeah. came, they just kind of was like a follow up with the challenge and talked to me some more, gave me some tips, and then <laughs> the third time was another time that really gave me hope. And they yeah. had we were sitting down. And my uncle brought three women in the room and told them to sit down and told them we're going to do like an AA meeting type thing. And he asked the women who they thought that they were t- going to talk to. And right. they both looked at my mom and my dad. They didn't even look at me. And so when my uncle told them that it was for me, they were like shocked because they wow. didn't think it would be for a teenage girl. Right. And so, yeah, I bet. Yeah, they were really surprised. So, they, I shared my story with them and then they shared theirs. And, um, like they told me, like, how strong they thought I was that yeah. I was fighting it. Heck yeah. And then they passed around a coin. I still have the coin today. And they would, like, put it in the palm of their hand and they would give advice and, like, um, give me, like, confidence and stuff sure and they would pass it around and my parents did it and my uncle and his partner did it 
Very cool. And so I still have that coin. But nice. that's what that meeting was, and that was wow. really cool. That's awesome. To do that, and I left like wanting to come back. Yeah, like, I bet. Was excited to come back. Yeah, again, that connection piece was so powerful for you. Yeah, at I that really time. liked it, like having a support group. Heck yeah. Yeah. What? Right on. <laughs> um, and then we came back a couple more times, and they were all really good. But then <laughs> the very last time we went back, we walked in and my uncle told us to go get some food because they had been cooking and it was really good i don't remember what kind of food it was <laughs> but it was really good it was good stuff yeah <laughs> and so we were sitting down and th- it had all the women and all the men everyone was there eating and my uncle stood up and surprised me by telling me to stand up and to share my story with all of them wow really yeah and <laughs> you're like what so i stood up and i was really nervous yeah and because it was my first time like ever actually opening up to and how old are you I was 15, 14. 15. That's, I mean, what bravery and courage that had to have taken in that moment. Yeah, it was pretty scary at first. Yeah. So I, (laughs) I, he like, he talked before I did and told him what we were doing and people again were like so surprised and I told them my story and they passed around another coin and I still have that one. And all of them, they were like crying and saying, how, oh, how could they not be? Yeah. How they like couldn't believe that a teenage girl would have to deal with this. Well, not only that, but honestly, seeing a girl being able to at that age, share her story, like the way you do, you like, just like you are right now. It's, it's impressive. Yeah. And it gives it, it, you know, like, you know, even me sitting here and listening to your story, I'm over here going, man, I, I want to be better. I want to be stronger. I want to do better in life. I mean, that's what I feel from you, and I'm sure that's what they were feeling when you shared that. Yeah. Wow. So that was really cool, and yeah. I like loved, that was my favorite one. That's the one that really stuck out to yeah. me when they all talked to me and told me a little bit about them and mm-hmm. what they were addicted to and how they got through it. Sure. And so we left, and I had like the coin, and I felt like I can get through this. Yeah. And then my uncle joined, like merged rehab like kind of switched and that rehab wouldn't let me come back and so my support group ended and yeah i remember feeling kind of kind of lost again a little bit right yeah i didn't have those people anymore and we were kind of back to square one with no support group at all no help yeah and so because of that i had another weak moment and i had relapsed again yep um and so I was 17 months sober, um, and then I had a weak moment. Right. Which, but then 17 months was the longest I'd ever been. Which, which is amazing. Yeah. Especially what you had been through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I relapsed again, um, and got caught, kind of like the same cycle as yeah. it's always been. And then my mom was so sick of not having any help that she actually contacted. (laughs) She wrote a letter to the prophet, to (laughs) the um, Quorum of the Seventy. So which, let me just, because for our listeners, really it's just kind of the leader of the church you belong to. Yeah. Reaching out saying, hey, there's so many resources in this, in our religion here. We need this as well. Yeah. Okay. Just want to point that out because people might not know what you meant by that. Mm. Yeah. And then she did a letter to... The General Leaf Society Board and the Primary mm-hmm. Board, asking and the young them women. <laughs> and yeah. the young women, asking them like how to get help. Like there's no help. She told yeah. them her like 
worries and sure that there's no help and like asking for help and the prophet he wrote back within days and the relief society they wrote back within weeks and they both recommended a, a site called fortify yeah and it's for adults but they allowed teenagers to do it for free for the youth to do it and so we got on and it was really cool um and i still do it i fill out like a tracker yeah. thing like a calendar of how i've been doing kind of like an accountability yeah as you move forward yeah, yeah. and so this was this is really cool because it has you set up an account and then before you do anything else you make your own support group so you put people that you can trust and stuff right and it connects all of them to your fortify and so they get all of your reports and they get notified anytime you relapse um or like if you're doing good they get notified it's easy for me to contact them and talk to them and right. so I have that support group, which has really been helpful sure. too. Well, I want to give a little shout out to Fortify because um, it, it years ago used to be called Candeo, and I actually was a part of that. I was one of the coaches there. Oh, cool. And I was there for four years. I had like 300 clients all over the world who were doing the same thing. And, and you know, uh, Clay Olson, who's the, you know, kind of the, the brain trust behind all this. And they got some amazing people that they work with and therapists. But it's a really fantastic program, and it, it has helped so many people. So I just want the listeners to know that if you're trying to find a support group, just like um, Brooklyn's mom was, and dad were trying to find, um, this is a good way to actually get something, and it's it's anonymous. They don't know exactly who you are, but, but again, you're connecting again with people again to, that have gone through what you're going through. Well, I'll just add it. It's very well done, and it's catchy, and it's, I mean, it's funny. It, the videos yeah. were awesome and the the knowledge that they gave her and i mean it was a lot of people are like you can't protect her forever she's got to learn how to use the internet it's and well in fortify one of their videos talked about even as an adult are you at a point where you need to tell everyone around you don't give me the passwords yeah and it was such a relief to hear that we're not crazy by <laughs> getting you know right. here this is an sure. adult thing and it's saying maybe you need to assess and ask yourself should you really have access to this stuff because this is such a problem for yeah. you and so fortify has been well, she's graduated the program now but but she can still do the reports Keep but going it in, just right? was such a awesome thing huh it was just awesome yeah i mean it's almost like you know <coughs> if, if i if i'm trying to quit drinking i wouldn't keep vodka in my cupboard it's almost like that. It's like, you know, I don't, it shouldn't be there. And it's almost like, you know, hey, I'm an adult. Yeah. It's okay. I have no shame in saying I don't want to, I need a passcode on here or that because I'm going to protect myself or fortify myself. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, great program and they mm -hmm. do such a fantastic job. So I'm glad you brought that up, Brooklyn. Yeah, because of that, like we're caught up to today, but because of that, I was two years sober. Wow. Congratulations. I, so I hit two years sober and uh -huh. I was doing really good. And then, you know, it's always going to be a constant struggle for me and yeah. it, like always will be, but I know that it'll get easier, mm -hmm. but like I still mess up, I relapse and I have. So mm -hmm. today I'm, what'd you say? I'm like 60 days sober. Yeah. 60, 60 more than that, 70. Well, no matter what it is, 
let's it really honestly counting the days in my opinion doesn't matter so much that look at the work you've been putting in like yes you were struggling you got to the point where you almost just gave up like you even gave up on god but look what you've been doing so for anyone listening to this story I don't know if they even care how long it's been. It's more like, look what this girl's doing to work, to try to be better every day. So I, that's what I focus on, and that's inspiring. Again, time that you've had, great, fantastic. But, you know, I mean, we're all clean in this room today, right? I mean, that's the we're all the same right now, you know? And so I think just your work ethic and really fighting and, and having mom and dad really going out of their way to try to find that support group and, just, I mean, I don't know. I'm just blown away at you and that you're so willing to talk about this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, let me ask you, can I ask you a, a, a kind of a tough question, but not really, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if there's someone listening to this right now, you know, a, a girl who's struggling with feeling lonely and lost and I can't even tell anyone that I'm struggling with pornography. I, I wouldn't even dare tell them. What advice would you give them that that they could maybe help them get past that? Um, for one of the biggest things for me was I was ashamed mm-hmm. because of what I had watched. Right. And so something that I think is important to realize is that you don't have to be ashamed. It doesn't make you a bad person. Wow, I love that. Um, Like it's just something you're struggling with and that you can get through it. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing. And I think another thing is be open. Tell people that you're struggling, get help, because you can't do it on your own. Yeah. You need help. You need a support group. I've tried doing it on my own. It doesn't work. <laughs> right. Um, but I, it's just important to be open, and it's taken me this long to even yeah. tell my story. Um, and another thing is something that helped with me is to recognize what the triggers are that okay. trigger the thoughts or need or want or whatever. Yeah. With me, still, music is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, books, um, yeah. movies, anything. Even like, it'll, well, it's like the dumbest things. Being bored. <laughs> Another one was, sure, though. Yeah. Um, like even if we're driving by and I see a picture that has nothing to do with it but reminds me of something I saw in a video, it triggers it. Yeah. So like to p- kind of figure out what your triggers are and how to avoid them or if something does happen, how to get yeah. through it, get past it. Like, I was at my aunt's house babysitting several months ago, just her little babies, and it was just me and them, and it was fine, everything was fine, and I looked over, like, I just looked over, I don't know why, and there was a movie out that would have been huge, right? like, really bad, and so I ran upstairs, took the babies with me, and I called my mom and told her what was happening and how, like, it was there, and it freaked like how I was panicking because I yeah, wanted to sure. watch it, right. but I knew not to. And so she would keep calling on me to check on me. Um, and that's what I think helped me get through because I don't, if I hadn't done that, I know I would have watched it. Well, I love that. Cause like you said in the beginning, you know, it, you're not a bad person if you're struggling with this. And I love that you said that. Cause I think a lot of people go to that shame mode and what shame does, it keeps us from connecting. We isolate, right? You just don't care. You go into your room. You isolate from everybody. But when that shame goes away and you can start talking about it, and and I love that you pointed that out because I think when we're struggling, that's one of the most important things to do is to reach out. 
But a lot of times that's the last thing we want to do in those moments, right? Yeah. But how important it is that we break through that shame that's really not real, but that's what we feel, and reach out and talk to someone. Just like you did when you called your mom, Mom, there's this movie here, and I'm just, I wanted to call and tell you about it. I mean, that, that in itself is, I mean, that's bravery to do that, you know? I think that's fantastic advice. Fantastic advice. Um, anything else you'd want to just maybe closing thoughts, closing remarks that you'd want to share with us? You know, um, that again, any challenge for anyone who's listening to this or anything like that? Um, if I did a challenge, it would be, I think, to just tell your parents right away what's going on or someone okay. you trust. Okay. To get help because it's never too late to get help. Wow. Okay. Well, beautifully said. And let's give a little shout out too to Fortify. I think it's fortify.com if you want to go look it up. If you, I mean, what a great resource to help you through this. And uh, go check it out if, if you're kind of in that same boat of Brooklyn's parents where they just didn't know where to send her, you know, and that kind of thing. And But uh, I don't know what to say other than I'm so like impressed with you, Brooklyn, and uh, inspired. And thank you for being willing to be vulnerable and share your story with us today. I don't. I, I just think it's really amazing that you're willing to do that. Um, I'm going to give you a challenge. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there isn't support groups out there. And a lot of times we go through things not knowing why we're going through it until after. And I really believe life happens for us. I wouldn't be sitting here today had I not gone overcome my addictions. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. And so I'm grateful I went through all that because now I get to sit here and talk to you and hear your amazing story. So maybe why you went through all of this and maybe you've already thought about all this is that maybe you're the one that's got to start these support groups. Maybe you're going to be the catalyst and the person that gets these that gets the ball rolling, you know? And you'll be known for the rest of your life, hey, this is the girl that started all these, you know, support groups for girls who were struggling with pornography. I mean, maybe maybe that's why you went through it. So I'm going to challenge you, not that you have to go do that, but to think about that and how maybe you could maybe work, go down that road and, and make a difference in that way. Hey. Maybe that's why you went through all this, right? Yeah. <laughs> so no pressure, but uh, <laughs> but I think, man. I agree. W- right? <laughs> right, Mom? And, you know, and I... You know, I know your mom and dad, and especially I've known your mom for a long time, and she's a go-getter. She's a fighter, and I, I really believe if you guys get your thoughts together, you guys can come up with something that no one's doing that's so much needed in this world. But So there you go, listeners. I, I told you it's going to be uh, a special edition. This is an amazing thing, and uh, I can't thank the, the mom and dad enough to be here in Brooklyn as well. Thank you for inspiring me today. And uh, I can't wait for everyone to listen to this. Please share this with anyone you know who is struggling. And it doesn't have to even be pornography. They'll be inspired by Brooklyn's story just because she's so brave to talk about these things. And So please share it with everybody. And again, once again, thanks for believing in me. And uh, until next time. <laughs>